0: Welcome to this week's Energy Show. We're in the midst of the presidential election, and there's lots and lots of great discussions about energy. Now, I know I'm not going to change anyone's mind about who they're going to elect for uh, the president, and, and I really don't want to. I'd like everybody to make their own decision. But I'm talking about energy and the energy perspective as part of the election is a constructive distraction from some of the nasty personal attacks. Nevertheless, the whole thing's very entertaining to me. And sometimes I just hope that they'd rather focus on the issues rather than all these kind of crazy personal attacks. But that's entertainment, and they're trying to get ratings, and it works. So there are some really significant energy policy issues. I mean, I know we got lots and lots of things going on in the country, but energy is important. And the way to kind of figure out where the candidates stand is I started by looking at what the objective party policies are. It's not always what's in the most recent speeches. It's not always what comes out of some somebody's mouth or, you know, a a reporter reports on. But both parties have published their official platforms in July. So I took a look at the Republican platform and the Democratic platform, and we'll start with with the Republican platform. That's 59 pages long. That's kind of typical. A lot of fine print, but fairly well organized, nice red, white, and blue on the cover. And I just looked at the energy section because I'm an energy geek. Basically, the Republican platform is what, what everybody terms as an all-of-the-above energy strategy, and they actually use those words in their platform. So we're just going to take a look at what some of these specific energy initiatives are. Just banging right through them, and you get some commentary from me. So one thing they want to do is open public lands and the outer continental shelf to energy production. There's a lot of oil and gas in those areas. The offshore has a, a lot of oil, and we can find a lot of gas in public lands. They want to open those up. Uh, I, I, my preference is to keep them, at least uh, the public lands that are parks, hey, keep, those, keep those closed. Keep those as parks. I don't want to see drilling rigs there. And as far as continental shelf energy production, heck, if I can't see it from, from the shore, if it's 10 miles offshore, as long as it's not polluting, it's fine with me. Another thing they want to do, very specifically, is kill the Clean Power Plan. The Clean Power Plan was announced by Obama in 2015. And basically the aim of the plan is to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by 32% by 2025. They wanna close polluting power plants. They've established state-by-state emissions targets for for carbon, and what ended up happening is, these are policies, these are kind of regulations, executive decisions, they're not legislative initiatives. So there are industry groups in states that are suing to stop the plan. So basically, the plan got up to the Supreme Court. Um, Justice Scalia passed away. And the thing is just kind of dead right now as far as decision making. But the Republicans want to kill the plan. And we'll talk a sec in a sec about why they want to kill the Clean Power Plan. In my view, it's, it's a good idea because it's going to imp- improve the economy and improve our energy situation. But the fact of the matter is there's just a ton of fossil fuel industry interests and, and incumbent utilities that are against this plan. Another thing, and this is this is one of the things that really stuck, stuck in my craw as far as a Republican policy, just because it's wrong. They say that coal is abundant, clean, affordable, and reliable. Now, the reality is, and this is just engineering scientific fact, is coal is not clean and affordable. You can have one or the other. You can make clean coal. And then energy generation is going to be really expensive. The reason why the energy from coal is expensive is because you got to use a lot of energy to take out the, those emissions, take out the CO2, take out the particulates. Or you can generate cheap power with coal, but you're going to get a lot of pollution coming out of the smokestack. stack. So for the Republican position to say that coal is abundant, clean, affordable, and reliable, eh, reliable, okay. But to say it's both clean and affordable— That's just a deliberate misstatement, and they should know better. Next thing they're talking about is easing nuclear permitting. I think that's okay, but that's not the problem with nuclear. The problem with nuclear is the economics are really bad. Even utilities are backing away. We have a lot of important safety regulations for nuclear. We need to keep them in place. We don't want to take those away, but the nuclear is just too expensive. Next, they don't want to play favorites among energy producers. Now, that's a really good principle. I totally agree, but the question is from the position there, why do they want to continue to play favorites with, with fossil fuels, like the, the oil pumping depletion allowance, or support for clean coal, when they don't want to talk about incentives for renewables? And you know what? By the way, I'm a Republican. I wish the Republican platform was a lot more realistic, but the Democrats are doing the exact same way. Everybody wants to play favorites with their particular policies and, and really the, uh, the industries that are supporting them. So that that one is, is on both sides. All right, Republicans against a carbon tax. I get the principle, taxes are bad. I, I agree with that. The reality is that taxes on carbon are probably the most economically efficient way of supporting this fuel transition. And basically, we want to incentivize good things and punish bad things. We had taxes on acid rain. That worked really, really well. Cap and trade, actually, not taxes. Uh, that worked really, really well. And we have taxes on cigarettes, alcohol. That does inhibit people using things that are bad. And I think we should do the same thing with carbon. All right. Another, another statement that they have there. And the environment is too important to leave to radical environmentalists. Well, let's just take out the word radical because that's something that's qualitative. It's not very objective. And then just saying the environment is too important to leave to environmentalists, that's kind of a, an a oxymoron. The Republican policy claims that the environmental policies are based on shoddy science, they're based on scare tactics, they're based on centralized regulation. I kind of say, you know, is that really true because you're implying that 95% of climate scientists are shoddy, and I don't really think that's right. Scare tactics, yes, it is scary if the sea levels rise, and it is scary if the temperatures rise, and we are actually seeing that, and it's actually going to be bad. So heck, I think a, a little bit of scariness is is good. We use that as an incentive to, to avoid bad behavior. And then next thing they are talking about is centralized regulation is necessary. The next thing they're talking about is eliminating centralized regulation. Well, the reality is air goes everywhere. You have to have centralized regulation. If, if you just leave it up to the states, you might have one really polluting state. I mean, this happened with acid rain. And a lot of uh, pollution in the Midwest, and it was causing trees to die in New York State. So they had regulations that applied to the whole country, and that pollution cleaned up, and now the now we no longer have acid rain. And it, finally, one of the items is they believe environmental problems are best solved by giving incentives for human ingenuity and the development of new technologies, not through top-down command and control re- regulations. I kind of agree with that. And what's interesting is that's very similar to what the, the Democratic position talks about, except that they just want to give incentives to the technologies and in the industries that they prefer. But they have the same principle, which is good. Like, I think it's just about the only thing they agree on. All right, now let's take a look at the Democrat platform. The platform is 51 pages, eh, about the same. Uh, it wasn't formatted as nicely as the Republican platform, but they are. Talking a lot about energy and a lot of the same issues. So what, what the Democratic platform calls for is building a clean energy economy. They want to get fifty percent of electricity from clean energy sources in a decade. One of the things that Hillary Clinton wanted to do, wants to do, and it is in the policy, is she wants to have half a billion solar panels installed in four years. I'm all for that. That's a big job, but I think it'd really, really make a lot of sense. They want to have enough renewable energy to power every home in the country. Not the whole industry, not the whole country, but every home. And and that is indeed absolutely positively doable. Talk about energy tax policy in the Democratic platform. They want to eliminate special tax breaks and subsidies for fossil fuel companies. Now, because of the oil depletion allowance, there's probably fewer tax breaks for fossil fuel companies on a percentage basis. But, but the total amount of money going to fossil fuel companies and tax breaks is probably bigger than the renewable energy industry, at least for now. That's going to change. So my attitude... I'd like to eliminate all tax breaks, but as long as there's some tax breaks that we can't get rid of, I think that they should be spread out equally. Pollution and efficiency standards. The Democrats want to improve energy efficiency. They want to implement the Clean Power Plan. It was proposed, and it's, it's, it was, it's, we're working on getting that through the courts. They want to impose more fuel economy standards. I think that's great, because look at how efficient our cars are now. And they're all for building codes and appliance standards that are also improving efficiency. Those things really work. Other specifics, the Democrats are against fracking where states and communities oppose it. So basically, they want to give local control to fracking. And, and you look at the Republican policy, they want to eliminate these regulations. And they're kind of in conflict. If there's a community that's opposed to fracking, they should have some rights to oppose it. Democrats want to reduce methane emissions. That's a good idea because methane is a pretty bad greenhouse gas, and there's a lot of it spilling out. They want to oppose Efforts by utilities to limit consumer choice or slow down clean energy deployment. This is a real biggie, and this is how clean energy is being delayed and the expenses are being increased. So utilities and incumbent energy providers are trying to prevent people from putting solar on their roofs, and that's bad. Democrats want to streamline federal permitting to accelerate the construction of transmission lines. Great day. Republicans are all for that, too. They wanna incentivize wind, solar, and other renewable energy development over the development of new natural gas power plants. Okay, picking winners and losers, but it's these are winners that are the future economy, not the past economy. The Democrats wanna make investments in energy producing communities to help create jobs and build a brighter and more resilient economic future. I think that's also really great, and that is a way to kind of put some of the unemployed coal workers to work. They want to oppose drilling in the Arctic and off the Atlantic coast. Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of, um, I think, drilling on the Atlantic coast. If it's far enough away and there's some fuel there, we can do it. As far as the Arctic, I am kind of uh, ambivalent about that. They want to reform fossil fuel leasing on public lands. Reforming thing is tough, but I think we should definitely not increase the number of public lands where we're drilling for oil. And they want to expand local, state, and national recreational opportunities rehabilitating existing parks and enhance America's great outdoors. I think that's great. Republicans want to do that too. Nobody really wants to see oil rigs and and, and fracking equipment in the middle of a national park, except oil companies. So here we are talking about the energy politics coming up to this presidential election. Now, we talked about the Republican platform and the Democratic platform. Now let's talk about the specific comments that the that the politicians have made. What does Trump say about energy? What does Clinton say about energy? What is their particular platform? Well, start off with Trump. And, and what's really interesting is Trump's specific initiatives and goals and ideas are not completely aligned with the Republican national platform. There, there's some changes and, and some things change very, very quickly. So it seems kind of clear that Trump wasn't that involved in creating a platform. There's, there's really two different entities, the Republican National Committee. That, that has what all Republicans want to do. And then there's what Trump wants to do, which is somewhat aligned, but not perfectly. So, And these are things that Trump is saying now. So really all we can glean about his position is what he's saying now, not what he said in the past. And and obviously people change their minds and that they've got every right to do that. So as far as what Trump's talking about now, he's not a big believer in man-made climate change. He didn't say he doesn't believe in it but he's not a big believer in it. So there's a little bit of wiggle room there. So he's made a comment that he suggested that climate change might be a hoax invention from China. And the reason why China would do that is they would undermine the U.S. industrial interests and in job creation. So a little bit of logic there, which is climate change was made up by China, that way that they're gonna create a lot of renewable energy and, and the climate change problems are gonna inhibit the U.S.'s fossil fuel energy industry. Well, you know, that, that's possible. I'm not a particular agreement I'm not in agreement with that because I'm looking at what the scientists all over the world say. But that's that's interesting. All right. Next comment. And talking about energy prices, and this is really interesting. What's interesting is that electricity prices went up faster during George Bush's administration than Obama's administration. Now, I think the reason why they went up faster was because there was a lot of de- deregulation in the energy industry. And as, as electricity was deregulated, the utilities are like, hey, hey you know, we're, we're no longer being capped. Let's raise the price. So that changed a lot, you know, part of last decade. It went up a lot. Uh, now, natural gas prices with under Obama, under a Democratic administration, actually went down. So Trump is having a hard time saying, hey, you know, elect me because I'm going to get these natural gas prices down. Natural gas prices went down because of Obama. And the reason why they went down is because of fracking and because we had new technology there. You you kind of have to – there are no coincidences here. But these changes, electricity deregulation, took uh, 10 years. Fracking developments probably took 20 or 30 years. And when they really started hitting their, their stride, that's when the impacts changed. It's just a complete coincidence that electricity went up during Bush and natural gas went down during Obama. Now, energy jobs. Uh, The Republicans and Trump is always talking about the problem about this war on coal. Now, when you look at the objective results, you see that the coal industry is indeed contracting. The reason for that is that natural gas is much cheaper than coal. Generating electricity from natural gas is much cheaper than coal. And then Another reason why that is less expensive is because there are environmental regulations that require the utilities, the power plant companies, to clean up the emissions from coal. Natural gas is inherently a much cleaner fuel. It burns, you get carbon dioxide. When coal burns, you get carbon dioxide. But you get all these other particulates and oxides because the coal is a a hard mineral. And there's a lot of other stuff that gets burned and just goes up in the smokestack. So what you have to do if you're burning coal is you have to scrub that out. And that's expensive, that equipment's expensive. And by scrubbing all of those emissions out, you're actually reducing the efficiency because it takes energy to do that scrubbing. So you look at the war on coal. The war on coal is, is really more of an economic change. And it's gonna continue. You look at what uh, the utilities are doing, and the utilities are putting in natural gas plants and they're putting in solar and wind instead of fossil fuel plants because it's just cheaper for them. All right, jobs over the last year. The coal industry did indeed lose 50,000 jobs, and Trump's legitimately concerned about that. I'm concerned about that. But you look at the fact that the solar industry alone over the, the same period added 115,000 jobs. So more two times more jobs were, were created in the solar industry than were lost in the coal industry. Now, the other reason why the coal industry lost jobs, A, because we don't need as much coal, but the other factor is there's been a tremendous amount of automation happening in the mining industry. So it used to be the one coal miner could maybe dig out a ton a day. I don't know, I'm just making that up. But now if they're using equipment, blasting, (laughs) strip mining, bad, but using those techniques, they have mechanization that really can be more efficient, and that's another reason why there's fewer jobs in the coal industry. It is really tough to retrain those people and put them to work, but there's no doubt in my mind that we could be covering a lot a lot of areas where we're currently mining coal. Put solar panels on those houses. Put solar panels on those hillsides. Put solar panels on those strip mine mountaintops. Generate electricity there. Put in windmills. That'd be great. And that's more of a future oriented approach. That's what I'm uh, in favor of. Another comment that Trump makes that is just wrong is that he characterizes solar as being very expensive. Now, that's really the Republican. Party line that solar is expensive. That's the utility party line that if you put solar on your roof, it's expensive. Keep in mind, everyone, that solar is the cheapest way to generate electricity. Look at it, look into it for yourself. Get a quote for a solar system. Look at the economics over 25 years. You'll see, I mean, here in California, you see the example six or seven cents a kilowatt hour if you put rooftop solar on your roof, and, and the local utility is charging you 20 or 30 or 40 cents a kilowatt hour. And, it's a, and, and that price is not going to go up. Put solar on your roof, you're done. Maybe a little bit of maintenance over 25 years, put in a new inverter. The thing's just going to run. It's reliable. So solar in reality is really, really inexpensive. It's inexpensive if, if the utility puts solar plants in the desert, but then they have to pay for the transmission equipment. And solar's inexpensive if you put it on your roof. All right. The big overview from Trump's energy picture is that he's kind of portraying things as being really bad that this is all really negative. The reality is, I think we've done really well over the past 20 years or so with our energy situation. We've created an incredible number of clean energy jobs, over 200,000 in the solar industry alone, lots and lots in the wind industry. We've created a lot of jobs in the natural gas and the oil industry, and that's a good thing. Yes, there's been a decline in coal jobs, but every time there's a technological transition, People go and work into different industries. There's not a lot of people in, in uh, horse stables anymore because we're driving cars. There's not people. There's not a lot of streetcars and and railroads anymore because we've got train. We got buses and planes. So these are just natural transitions in technology. And one of the most important things is our energy costs are lower than they've ever been, and we've got very concentrated, convenient forms of energy. All right, let's take a look at what Clinton's talking about. The platform is much more similar to the Democratic platform. So Clinton's worked very closely with the Democratic National Committee. She characterizes climate change as an existential threat. Now, existential means it's going to kill you eventually. Um, You're going to cease to exist. Obviously, it's not going to happen right away, but it will change a lot of things if, if it does continue on this path. 25, 50, 100 years from now. We're not going to be around then, but it is still a problem. Clinton doesn't seem to believe in the economic viability of carbon capture and sequestration. And she's absolutely right about that. She's got some good advisors there. That's carbon capture and sequestration is basically a, a way of making coal clean. It can be done, so it does work, but it ends up being way too expensive. So it's just not going to take off. Uh, utilities are not going to be putting in these plants. They're just going to put in natural gas or solar. And then finally, and, and I really give her a lot of credit for this, that she wants to put a half a billion solar panels enough to power every home in the country. And and that's terrific. She's a driving force behind that goal. And you know, for selfish reasons, heck, I'm a, a solar geek. I think that's going to be great. So there's some obvious differences between the Republican and Democratic platforms. The the Democratic platform is basically put together in collaboration with the the uh, with Hillary Clinton and, and her group. The Republican platform was put together by the Republican National Committee, not Trump. So Trump is going to go his own way, and I got to give him a lot of credit for that. He's he's not beholden to anyone, and he's going to do what he thinks is best. And and he's got a lot of really good ideas, um, but it's going to diverge from the Republican platform. Heck, I wouldn't be surprised to see Trump make some comments saying, "Hey, solars solars pretty good." Uh, his his then the Republican. The Republican committee wouldn't like that, but it makes a lot of economic sense. And at at his heart and his heritage, Trump is a businessman, and there is a lot of good business in in the renewable energy, energy industry and the solar industry. So I believe Trump would actually be, as president, quite favorable of renewables. As long as they don't block his view of his golf courses and his homes on on the shore. And I'm totally serious about that. I mean, he he does really care about some of those personal interests. So where do they agree? Where do the Republicans and Democrats agree? They don't agree on hardly anything. There are a couple of areas that they do agree in. They do agree in providing incentives to certain industries and technologies. But the incentives are the ones that their uh, committees prefer. So, Republicans want to continue to incentivize fossil fuels, and Democrats want to continue to incentivize renewables, and they both want to stop the incentives for, for for the others. And they also both want to reduce regulations, but they want to reduce regulations for the technologies and industries that they prefer, not for everybody. And my view is, you either reduce them for everybody, or you just leave them in place. So, to summarize, it's pretty simple. The Republicans are very strong supporters of the fossil fuel industry. It's a huge industry. And to varying degrees, they deny that climate change is occurring. But it's interesting because regionally, you look at what's going on in Texas. Texas is the second biggest state. 80% of Texas Republicans favor expanding the renewable energy industry. Texas has the fastest growing renewables in terms of wind and solar. And then what's interesting, why did this all happen? Governor George W. Bush was one of the biggest supporters of wind energy. And as president... Bush was there when he signed the 30% investment tax credit. So the Republicans and Bush did a lot there. Democrats have emphasized the importance of further expanding renewable energy at the expense of fossil fuels, but they get bogged down in regulations. So as in many past presidential elections, I don't think a a lot's going to change. In spite of the rhetoric, I expect economics of solar and wind to continue their rapid growth. It's just going to get better and better. Economics of coal and nuclear are going to get worse and worse. Those industries are going to contract. And what I'd like to see is the Republicans really push solar and wind as a clean, well, not clean, let's take that word out, as a renewable, independent energy source that we can put jobs to work right here. It's good for economy and it's good for the jobs. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcast.